Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. microphone. Hello everybody, isn't it great to be here? Who feels like they're on an adventure this morning for God? A few hands, awesome. It's great being on an adventure, don't you think? Sometimes you go on an adventure where you know where you're going and sometimes you get off the track a bit. So if you're off the track this morning, get back on. We all need to be on an adventure together. This morning I'm going to, um, Simon asked me to talk and tell some stories about CAP and also to encourage you to see your neighbours in the image of God. So that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try my hardest to stick to the script and tell you exactly that. But be warned, sometimes I go off a little bit. So I want to tell you stories about people just like you and me. How prayers have been answered, lives have changed, and all about our awesome God in action. We do have an awesome God, don't we? Before I start, I'm just going to pray. Dear God, please give me your words this morning. Help me to get across your message. Please help each one of us, our hearts, to be changed. Help us to be more like you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, first to explain a bit, CAP. We always say CAP, but does anyone know what it stands for? It stands for, oh, Christians Against Poverty. I love this. Isn't it good? Stories of CAP, just to remind me. Basically, CAP is a free service which our church provides to help people who are struggling with finances, in particular debt. Could really be for all of us. Who here is great with finances? Lots of people struggle. I usually go out to people's homes or see them in the office, along with another person. And um, with the help of head office of CAP in Newcastle, we help people work their way out of debt. So what sort of people do we help? The short answer is all sorts of people. Some needing a little bit of help, a simple budget to help them get back on track, and some needing a whole lot of help, and everyone in between. The things that all people have in common, though, is that financial difficulties cause a lot of worry, distress, inability to function in other areas, fear of the future, and loss of joy and peace. Sometimes, Financial pressure is caused by overspending or not budgeting or having a very low income, but quite often there are other issues. So what are the sorts of situations that we see? It's very common to see situations where there's domestic violence in the home, where either husbands or wives have become violent and the other partners had to leave to protect their children. It's in these situations that fear governs and when, when the changes happen, there's less income, far less. There's sharing of custody arrangements. There's new partners, often on both sides. There's homes full of anger and hurt, distrust, and of course, financial pressure. Sometimes we see people where either a wife or a husband has died. It could be due to cancer or other illnesses. And there were big medical bills and lots of other bills that were unable to be taken care of. Finances are put on hold. Often things, when you get to see people, have just fallen in a heap. 
There's loneliness and hopelessness and loss and, of course, financial pressure. Sometimes we go into situations where there's husbands having affairs and leaving wives to look after, leaving the wives to look after children. There's situations where there's no maintenance coming in and then people have to fill out all the forms to go on Centrelink or get income from elsewhere. Now there's loneliness, hatred, unforgiveness. Often kids don't get to see one parent anymore. Mums are angry and hurt and full of despair and you guessed it, financial pressure. Sometimes we see people who've lost jobs. They've been made redundant and they're now unable to find work and can't afford to live in Melbourne or big cities anymore. So now the families have moved to Horsham or Japarit or Rainbow or Warwick Nabeel or Matoa or you list all the towns. They've come because rent is cheaper but of course jobs are harder to find. Now they don't have the families for support and often they don't have any friends because they've come to a new place. And um, now new mothers and fathers are working in jobs they're not trained for anymore if they can find them. And there's so many instances of that, very, very common. There's loneliness, hurt, loss, and of course, financial pressure. You'd be surprised at the number of people we see where you'll go out and see a mother who's very, very pregnant. And it might be child number two, three or four or more. And um, the husband can't handle the pressure anymore and he's gone. He's just cleared out and left very pregnant wife with however many children. Then there's extreme feelings of loss. Hurt, hatred, loneliness and of course financial pressure. Sometimes people have sickness or injury or an unplanned for pregnancy comes up where a person can no longer work. So then families go from having two incomes to having one income. But they still have the same expenses. They have mortgages, personal loans, credit cards, higher purchase, pay later. <laughs> and they're all geared up for two incomes and now there's only one. So lots of difficulties and of course financial pressure. Sometimes there's been an accident in the family where people have had to spend a lot on travel, medical bills and loss of income for periods of time. So as well as the injury people suffer, they suffer because they're in different places with isolation and loneliness. You guessed it, financial pressure. Sometimes, we're covering the whole gambit here, sometimes there's trouble in family where you see, we see older people, where their children have been in trouble breaking the law and parents have had to bail them out. Sometimes their kids might be on drugs and so they haven't been able to pay their own expenses. So the parents have come to the rescue, paid those expenses for the kids and then they haven't been able to pay their own bills because they've been paying two families' bills. And here there's blame and sense of loss, of failure, of being a bad parent and family breakdowns and of course financial pressure. And so who are these people? I bet when I've been talking about these people, you can think of a family like that. You can probably think of one in your own family, or your friends, or your neighbours. When I was growing up, we always used to joke around. We'd tell all these funny stories, you know, and we'd get people 
it's probably a bad word, but we'd get people sucked in, you know, to, to knowing what we were talking about and it would just get more and more exaggerated and you wouldn't know whether to believe people or not. And finally they'd say, gotcha, because you didn't get what they were saying was actually a joke. And um, I think that's the case in a lot of situations. We go out and see people or we meet people and they tell you thing after thing after thing. This has happened and that's happened and that's happened and that's happened. And when I first started this job, I was thinking, okay, when's the punchline coming? You've really got me going here. But there isn't any punchline. They're serious. Lots of people are in these dramatic situations and it's the people all around us. Okay, so often when we think of neighbours, we think of these people who live next door. But let's read a well-known story to give us a true picture. So it's from Luke 10, 25 to 37. Okay, on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We've often read that passage, haven't we? The Good Samaritan, we learn it when we're in Sunday school. But it has a very good message, doesn't it? We hear who our real neighbours are. The one who was the good neighbour to the beat up and hurt man was not the priest or the Levite, but was the Samaritan, one who was not liked at all by the Jews, not considered to be good at all. He was the good neighbour, and his neighbour was not his friend next door, but someone who was hurt and needing help, someone others ignored. Do you ever sometimes see those people that you don't really want to talk to or be near or be a part of, those people who are hurt or whatever? These are the people who are our neighbours. So just like that Samaritan, we can be good neighbours too. We can obey the command that Jesus has given us, which is in the next passage. I actually made a mistake here, but it must have been meant to be because it's reiterating it, where it says, verse 30, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. They're quite serious words, aren't they, from Jesus? Love your neighbour as yourself. So how do we do this? 
In, on CAP visits, we basically listen to and pray for people. Sure, we help with budgets, but most importantly, we just be people's friends. And by doing this, we've seen changes. One of the things that you sort of take for granted, but is a real change in people, is their visible appearances. So often, when people move out of one set of circumstances into another, they leave worry behind, they leave abusive relationships behind, but when they do budgets, they actually eat better. So they actually sometimes eat more or sometimes eat less or more healthily. And um, quite a few times I've had people come, come up to me either in the supermarket or the plaza or somewhere and say, and I just smiled, but, and they say, you don't know who I am, do you? You know, when you're racking your brain trying to work out who somebody is, and they say, it's me, it's so-and-so. And once they tell me, they look so different. And I actually say, oh, you look so good. Or you've, um, you've put on weight or you've taken off weight and your face, it looks so you know, clear and fresh and you just look so good. And then they smile even more. They're so happy I don't recognise them. But you sort of don't, you know, that's just one of the obvious things. People's visible appearances change. Another thing is that people get their budget sorted and they no longer have to hide and not answer the phone or the door. Often when we go out and see people for CAP, we knock on the door and they don't answer. And you think, oh no, we've made this appointment, they must be home. And you can hear noises in the background, but they're so frightened to actually answer the door, you have to knock quite a few times. But once they get their budget sorted, they can go around feeling confident and ready to face the day. They can answer their phones and answer the door. They have light at the end of the tunnel and um, have something to work towards. Many say, I feel so much better this time you've come than the last time. And isn't that an answer to prayer? When people actually feel better the next time you come than where you go the last. We've had people who we've given Christmas hampers to or bread or other gifts who then could share with a friend who had nothing. Out of their little, they share with others. And um, makes you sort of embarrassed, doesn't it? When they actually say, oh, you know when you gave me that Christmas hamper, I could actually give it to so-and-so down the road because they didn't have anything, but I did, I had the hamper. And um, I reckon that's marvellous. We've also seen people change who, um, so dramatically from being angry, shut away people, and people can be different. They can be loud and obnoxious, or they can be quiet, so quiet that it's hard to even get a word out of them. But they're all lives that God changes so much. We've even seen people find romance and love. Who needs eHarmony, or whatever the apps are called? We have CAP. No, no, <laughs> really, we go out to do budgets. But it's amazing how when people change, they have more confidence in themselves and they actually, instead of people being, um, oh, repelled is a hard word, but you know some people you don't want to be around because every time you say, how are you, they tell you for like half an hour or, you know, and you go away feeling so much worse than when you actually started and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I asked that question. Well, now instead of being that type of person, they're sort of more upbeat, you know, more cheery and people are attracted to them. So isn't that awesome? And, um, okay, what else? I got off the track a bit there with eHarmony. Um, 
Yeah, and sometimes, like, well, I always go out with a worker and I'm very, very grateful for the support workers who go out with me. But um, it's just, it's one of the things that's so great about CAP is when you go out and you see people and they say, things are different since you walked in here. And you try your hardest to explain that it's not me, it's God. It's God who makes the difference. He's the one who's here. But um, it's amazing how people can see they can, they can see God in you. All we have to do is trust him and allow him to work in us. Okay. I've also seen a few people who've been in domestic violence situations. They've gone from being, oh, really people who have been really stuck, who've been struggling, who've been just stuck basically, and, and a couple of them have gone out and started studying. You should see the difference in their life. They're actually doing something when they've got plans for the future. They've got things to work towards. Don't we have an awesome God? We've also seen people, answers to prayer. I remember quite often people will have, um, if they own a home, they'll have a home in a small town, but they'll be living in Horsham. And so what happens is they're paying a mortgage on the, the house that is theirs, and then they'll have to pay rent as well. So if you don't get very much money on Centrelink, it's very hard to pay a mortgage and rent. And always at the end of the visits, I say to people, so what would you like us to pray for? And um, that really can open up a whole can of worms. And quite often people will say, oh, I'll pray that my house sells. And I remember the first time I remember thinking, oh, in outwardly I'm going, oh, yes, of course, we'll pray that your house sells. And inwardly I'm thinking, oh, that's a really hard prayer, God. Like, are you sure you want us to pray that the house will sell? He's like, you ask people what they wanted prayer for, you pray. Anyway, it's amazing how many houses have sold, how people have actually come back, rang a couple of days later. You'll never believe it. My house has sold. I've actually had an offer. Do you know how long it's been on the market for? And I've had an offer. The house has sold. God is awesome and he really answers prayers. But I just want to make it, that's sort of some of the situations we see in CAP and some of the ways God is working in the people who've been helped by CAP, but more importantly by the prayer that's been offered to God. So just like CAP, you too can make a difference. It doesn't have to be in big things, it can be in little, little things. So how, you may say. I've got a few pointers, how. We want to make it practical. Open your eyes and see God's children. Just because they aren't perfect like you, don't look and dress and have the same amount of tattoos and piercings as you do, or speak the same language as you do, or have a more expressive vocabulary than you do, and use a lot more swear words than you do. Look at people through God's eyes, not yours. And um, my son's going to kill me because I'm going to use an example of when he was a little boy, and he's not little anymore. But I remember we were on the train one day and um, there was this man on a scooter. You know, the scooters that you get around in. Anyway, um, he, and the scooter was covered in stickers, like stickers with bikers and death and skulls and all that sort of thing. Anyway, there was, at one end of the train carriage, there was us good people. And at the other end of the carriage, there was the man on the scooter in, the, in a bandana, 
to quote Daniel, he was covered in pictures. Um, and yeah, and what else did he have? Oh, he had all these piercings. He couldn't hardly see any skin. He had a mean-looking face and he had others around him too who were really tough-looking and all swearing. So you'd think, how could a man on a scooter pose any threat? Well, you don't know the vibes that were coming our way. He must have been injured or something. Anyway, there was this train carriage and there was all the tough people on one end and all of us on the other end, very, very separate. Anyway, this little boy, about three years old, he, he goes over to the man on the scooter and I'm saying, come back here, Daniel, come back here. And over he goes and he says, I like your cool bike, mate. And the ma with that, the man had a big smile on his face. And he said, do you want to ride? I'll take you for a spin around the carriage. Anyway, Daniel's like, yeah, ripper. So he hops on the scooter and they drive around around the carriage. It's amazing how that little spin on the scooter made a really big difference to that carriage. People had smiles on their faces. People, instead of all being squished into their little spots at one end, started to spread out and talk to each other. And I just thought, when that happened, I thought, what an example for us. See people like a child for how cool they are because they're made in the image of God. They're, look at the inward, not the outward appearance. Don't you reckon kids are awesome in what they teach us? And I always, re I always remember that story. I was like, look at people like a child. Look at people like a child. Another thing you can do is smile. Smile at people when you see them. You know, I know people say it doesn't cost anything, but it's amazing what can happen, how conversations can start up when you actually smile at somebody. A smile at people will get lonely people talking to you. Often I would just smile at people, no matter if I knew them or not, and it's amazing. I remember one time in Leangatha, a man came up to me. He'd just lost his wife. He started talking to me all about it, a simple smile. Another time... <laughs> oh, there was a lady here in Horsham in the reject shop. I just smiled at her and then she started telling me her whole life history. So we got to be really good friends. And there was another lady in the shoe shop. I just smiled at her and then she started telling me that why she was in the shoe shop it was because of her granddaughter's wedding. She needed shoes. And then we started talking about what shoes would match her outfit and all that sort of thing. And I started helping her and then she said best worker I've ever seen in a shoe shop. And I was like, I don't actually work here. <laughs> and she was like, oh, really? Oh, I'm terribly sorry. But just smiling at people can open up entirely new things. Just, just try it. Smile at people and see what they tell you. I always used to get into trouble by my kids for talking to people. And they were like, did you know that person you were talking to? And I was like, no. And they were like, what is that about stranger danger? You tell us about stranger danger not to talk to people and there you are talking to people you don't know. And you're like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll give you permission, smile at people. Can't do any harm. How much makes you feel better and makes them feel better. Another thing you can do is pray. Pray while you're walking around the street. Just pray as you walk in the shops. Pray for people who walk past you. What can you pray for? If they're limping, pray their foot gets better. If they look like they're unhappy, pray that they find joy. I remember walking around praying for Cap one time and um, I walked past this house and I don't know why but I said, oh, I thought I really should pray for the house, or for the house anyway, sounds ridiculous, but I heard God say to me, won't be long and you'll be inside that house. Sure enough, one of my first clients came from that house. 
So you never know what God can do when you pray. If you want to be really challenged, sit outside the courthouse in Horsham. Sit outside there and pray. It's amazing the people that you see. Many of those people lack hope, they lack joy, they lack direction, and their situations are dire. It will open your eyes up to how people live and what they need prayer for. Challenge yourself. Pray for them. Another thing you can do is be, be a friend. Who here grows fruit and veggies? Who's got a good garden? Nobody here's got a good garden. I'm sure you have. But share your veggies. Like, we've got a really good neighbour. She comes in every few days and brings us veggies. Like, she isn't a Christian, but she wants to be good to us. Make it known so that Christians are good people, people who want to do good for other people. Another thing you can do is pop in and visit those who are sick or lonely. Who knows sick or lonely people? There must be some sick or lonely people in your lives, I'm sure. Good on you, Lynn. You have sick and lonely people. My dad lived in Ballarat. He's recently died last year, but he lived in Ballarat for five years, I'd say. And if you asked him, he would say one of his really good friends was the lady next door. And I said to Mum, why was she a good friend? She said, oh, he came in probably twice and he talked to your dad for five minutes. Five minutes, twice in five years, made a good friend to somebody who was lonely and needed friends. Be a good Samaritan. Speak to the people around you who are lonely. When people tell you how sick they are, don't run and think, I'm going to be here for half an hour. But pray for them. If you're confident, ask them if you can pray for them then and there. If you're not confident, just say, would you mind if I prayed for you when I go home? Usually people are so pleased if you pray for them. And what an insight. These people must believe if they want to pray. Like, and you're taking it to a greater power. You're taking it to God who can do something. Often we can't do anything, but God can. If people have appointments, if, if they've got special appointments in Ballarat or somewhere, offer to drive them. If they can't get to the doctors in Horsham, offer to drive them. Offer to pay for someone to have a coffee or a meal. That's a few, just a few ideas of what you can do, how you can be Jesus to the people around you. There's so many chances. God's so awesome and every one of us has a chance to bring him into others' lives. We all have neighbours. We read about who's our neighbour. doesn't have to be the person living next to you because often you'll say, oh, my neighbours are too far away. I live on a farm. Or you might say, oh, we've got a spare block of land next to our place. No neighbours. But your neighbours are all those around you. And we all have people, believe it or not, we all have someone who's related to us somewhere. We all sit next to someone in church. Some of us have children and friends. Some of them annoying and are annoying and some of them are not. There's people when we see when we're shopping or having a coffee. God puts all these peoples in our lives for a purpose. It's so we can love them, so we can encourage them, so we can be Jesus to them. If we have trouble with others, pray and ask God to help us see them the way he does. My biggest lesson I ever had was I had this friend. I just have to tell you this story. And um, she was so demanding. She said, can you take me here? I need 
need to go to such and such. I have no money for petrol. I need this. This is, this is the voice, truly. I need that. I was a leader in a different church at the time and she would say, why doesn't the church do this? Why doesn't the church do that? My boys need this. My boys need that. Anyway, she was driving me around the twist. You can tell by that terrible voice I was using. But um, I remember saying to God one day, what do I do with her? We're doing the best we, we can and nothing's good enough. And the message I got is, she's one of my children. I love her and you need to love her too. I remember praying, please help me to see her with your eyes, God. And another thing came to me at the same time of my own children. Who knows what it's like when someone says something bad about one of your children or one of your friends? Do you actually feel your bristles go up? You actually feel like, oh, how dare they say that about my child? Or how dare they say that about my friend? And I thought, God must feel like that too. Sometimes he loves his children just the way we love our children and I'm sure he doesn't like me saying anything bad about them either. Just like us, he loves all the people the most. And so remembering that helps me. Anyway, back to the story of the friend. Praying that hang on, praying to see people the way that God does is life-changing. Praying to love them the way God does is too. I began to see this friend as lonely, as needing someone to talk to, even if it was by manipulation, as a hurt person, as so insecure. I began to pray for her more and her situation. And don't get me wrong, at times it was hard work. But our relationship certainly changed. And believe it or not, I don't think it was her who changed. I think it was me. But remember, praying that prayer, the prayer to see others the way God does, is dangerous. I'm warning you. You'll see people the way God does, and you may have tears come to your eyes. Because you'll see how beautiful they are. But how hurt they are, and how lacking hope they are, and how insecure they are. And it will mean work. You might have to do something. Scary, isn't it, doing something? You might have to pray. You might have to talk to them. More importantly, you might actually have to listen to somebody. You might have to invite them for a meal, bake a cake for them, be friendly to, visit. Or worst of all, you might even have to smile at another person. Dreadful, isn't it? But you're all created in the image of God. So you're very creative people. Use your imagination. What a challenge to see with the eyes of Christ. Remembering he died on the cross for you and me and the one you're struggling with. That's how much he loved each one of us. In my life, I'm often reminded of this story in the Bible. Gets me focusing on the right things and stops me just going off living a no-purpose, airy-fairy life. Let's read this passage here. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. We've all read it before. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, 
Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. What an awesome passage that is, isn't it? God's word is powerful. Verse 40, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And 45, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. If Jesus was here now, would you refuse to help him or would you help him? You need to look at people through Jesus' eyes, see them the way he does. So that's it really. There's the challenge. We're all the same. God has no favourites. Some of the roughest, toughest, meanest and most obnoxious people you will see are just like you. But something happened to change their situation and in turn their whole personality. We all react differently depending on how we're treated. But God has created us all in his image, his masterpieces, with plans and purposes and he wants us to be like Jesus, loving everyone like he did seeing people as he does, laying down our lives for others. When we do love and bring God into a situation, it's amazing what changes. But most of all, remember it's us. Why should we do it? Summing up, we love others because he first loved us. He commands us to love others. And whatever we do for others, we do for Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you. Thank you that you love us all the same. Thank you that you love us so much that you died for us on the cross. We just pray now that you'll help us to see others the way that you see them. Help us to see them through your eyes. Give us opportunities to love others so they can know Jesus too. So they can have life, light, freedom, peace and joy. We just thank you that you're an awesome God, that you work in such wonderful and marvellous ways. And for this life you've given us, for the adventure we are on, we just pray all these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.